0: Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis.
1: All right, welcome to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. Hope you guys are sheltering in place, nice and safe, and that your families, friends, colleagues, and everyone is healthy. Certainly crazy times that we are dealing with. And I just want to say again, how grateful and appreciative I am that despite uh, many of you not commuting and driving to work uh, these days, that you are taking me with you and continuing to listen to the podcast because I see the stats and you guys are tuning in, which is cool. And I'm very excited for you to tune into this episode with Rob Boys. Rob is the head of dealer marketing at Carfax. And let me guess, when I say he's the head of dealer marketing at Carfax, some of you may be thinking, I know Carfax. Isn't that, isn't that B2C? Well, it's not. It's B2B, and we're going to get to that in a moment and talk about Rob's journey and what he's doing over there at Carfax with my team. But first, Rob, welcome to the program. Where are you sheltering uh, in place today? I am sheltered in place in northern Virginia, about 15 miles
0: outside of Washington, D.C.
1: Nice. Last time I was out in Virginia, I had never been to um, one of those all-you-can-eat Brazilian steakhouses, and I was out there with one of my colleagues, and we went to it was a really good one, but I had never been to one before, and we didn't even know like that's what the format was when we booked the reservation on OpenTable. So we're sitting outside on the patio, and the waitress comes over, and we ordered like two appetizers, and she goes, "You know, guys, I um, I th- I think you should hold off on ordering some appetizers," uh, and we're like, w- "Wait, wait a second." why and they're like she's like well because you know the portions are really big and and I'm like oh okay well you know we don't have to eat everything she goes you do know where you're at and then she told us and we're like oh we're idiots okay yeah we'll skip the appetizers and just have a cocktail and get there so was was a incredibly enjoyable dining experience and you know have you ever been to one yourself I have, yeah So you know how they give you those little chips at some places that says yes please or no thank you whatever you flip on the table that was my first experience Yeah so, Ron grabs that, and we had a meeting at a client uh, the next day. And so, when like topics were coming up and people were suggesting things, ma- mainly from some of the salespeople, he would flip the chip up. He took it out of his pocket, put it on the table, and was like, No, thank you. Like, some, you know, messaging to me about what he thought of the idea. It was pretty, pretty funny, but I, I digress. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're being safe uh, out there in Virginia and thanks for joining me on the program. Uh Rob, before we talk about the work you're doing there at uh at CarFax, your your background, you came from MarTech. You were on the product marketing team at Eloqua back when it was Eloqua before Oracle, and I'm just just curious if there's some uh some thoughts, some insights from those days and times to where you are now.
0: Yeah, we called it the, the golden age of of marketing back then. It was a it was a fantastic time to be getting into Martech. Um, it, at the At the time, Eloqua was pretty much the leader and the innovator in marketing automation. I was working on a project at the time where we were launching our kind of new lead scoring engine. Um, just to kind of put the context around what what time frame that was, but being a a product marketer for a company like Eloqua forces you to learn virtually every aspect of demand gen. And I'd been sort of a classic product marketer, not a demand gen marketer to that point, but all the way down to the, the fact that I was expected to run my own product campaigns and be able to run those campaigns directly through Eloqua. So it was it was a great experience. And I'm still really, really good friends with a, a lot of people that either work for the company or were in that that ecosystem. So.
1: There are some good people there back in the day. Uh, some, some of my closest colleagues and relationships all came out of that that error. And uh, I do. I remember when you guys introduced the lead scoring module for the platform. Uh, You you went on from Eloqua and worked at Lattice Engines again on the MarTech side. You were in product marketing there, and you were at Plex uh, with some uh, Jen Demas when when she was there, and Heidi Malin, two people I know, uh, and two other clients of ours. uh, Jen's at Gigster and and Heidi's at at Workfront, and you were again in product marketing, uh, did that again at Fuse uh, for several years, and now you're at Carfax. Not on the product marketing side, per se, but but head of dealer marketing as i as I mentioned. So one thing I want to ask you, because I know the answer, which is you guys use marketo there. And I'm curious as a guy who used to bleed red uh, and worked on the product at Eliqua, what your take is on the landscape today and and kind of a little bit of marketo versus Eloqua from your perspective.
0: Yeah, it's this is actually my second tour of duty um, at a company that, that used Marketo. We used it at Lattice Engines as, as well, um, but being in product marketing, I was a little bit more uh, separated from you know the, the day-to-day kind of marketing operations components. So this was my first time where I really owned our implementation of Marketo, and ultimately the decision on what tool we were using or what tool we potentially would want to switch to, um, kind of came down to me. So, uh, you know, I'll get into the kind of the nuts and bolts of what we've been doing with demand gen, but there, there was a decision point uh, at one, at one uh, kind of crossroads. Hey, if we're gonna be putting a lot of energy and effort into our Marketo instance, does it make sense to look at other potential tools like Eloqua, for example? Um, and I even have somebody on my team in marketing ops that came more out of a, an Eloqua background rather than Marketo. Um, but the reality is, you know, in terms of, of investment, um, I, I, just think Adobe is continuing to invest in Marketo and I kind of see it as the market leader now in B2B. It's kind of like, you know, it's almost automatic now it's Marketo and, and Salesforce are, are, kind of the two, um, the two engines behind your demand machine. There's still plenty of companies out there using Eloqua. I, t- I tend to see them skewing a little bit more to, to larger organizations, um, but honestly, I think the output of what you get from both tools is roughly the same. It's kind of how you get there, and frankly, I want to kind of stick with the company that I know is continuing to innovate. So, so that's what we're doing. I
1: well, Appreciate you sharing your your perspective. I, we certainly have clients uh, on all four of the systems that are out there: Pardot, HubSpot, Eloqua, Marketo, and as you as you say, there's a, a strong gravitational pull for certainly mid-sized companies, many enterprise companies to be on Marketo. And, and we still see Eliqua primarily in, in the large, very large, complex enterprise. But, but companies that have been on the platform for a long time, where the cost yeah. of, of migrating and switching has to be factored in, but not, not as much new. Um, I, I did a watch party for the Adobe uh, Summit that they just had. This week, and one of the things I'll, I'll say about Adobe, because you went through this when Oracle acquired Eloqua, is you know Adobe is is working on um, their B two B motions and their B two B messaging, right? Certainly, no doubt, hands down leader in B two C marketing tool sets and all the creative tool sets. And their acquisition of Adobe, acquisition of Marketo, rather, was to really bring another platform into the B two B space, and and they've been doing doing quite well there. Uh, Carfax, when you got there back in, in June, uh, you told me like, hey, we were really just kind of doing batch and blast marketing back then. And you're like, hey, there's way more we should be doing. So talk about some of those initiatives, the stuff that you're working on with my team, and um, how you're prioritizing that. Because I think when people look at what they're doing with Marketo or their marketing automation system, far too many people do get caught in batch and blast mode, not because the tools can't enable them to do more. But it's a combination of marketing strategy and uh, having the resources to get it done. So, what what's been your plan, and, and how are you coming across uh, on it? Yeah, and when
0: I came in, that that is very much what I saw. Right, we were we were doing some fairly rudimentary marketing. We were um, almost entirely dependent on email as our channel. Um, I found that you know we hadn't really invested. On the B2B side of our web strategy, you know, we have a whole B2C side of our organization where, you know, there's a, there's a whole team working on on web and optimization and, and SEO there, but on the B2B side, it had been somewhat neglected. Um, so that led to, you know, really a lack of lead scoring because we really weren't, weren't tracking a lot of, of activity um, and activity history. And you know the team was actually I think a little bit frustrated, right? They they knew they could be doing more, and in some cases they'd come from other organizations where they were doing much more sophisticated, um, you know, nurtures and trigger based campaigns and and um, lead scoring and uh, you know really clearly defined funnel stages, and then really knew what their like how their their marketing engine was performing mm-hmm. at, a, at a deep level, and and we just didn't. And I I also saw that things were taking way too long. Um, you know, it would take two weeks to get a, a new uh, landing page stood up or, or a couple of weeks to get a new email um, template built. And we, again, we're doing batch and blast. We weren't doing things that were terribly sophisticated. So I knew there was a problem and I knew there were things that would really make the team a lot more efficient mm-hmm. and frankly, just more satisfied in their jobs because they knew that they could be doing more to support the business. So that's when I decided to kind of open up the hood and figure out, you know, what was the root cause of, of those problems.
1: When you when you did look at the environment, you had a pretty unique situation which there was a lot of people that had touched the Marketo instance, a lot of change <laughs> in in marketing team uh, and leadership there. So even though as as you expressed earlier, you know, big fan of the platform, you you ended up Looking and saying, God, I've I've got a platform that's a little bit of a kind of like episode of hoarders and and no documentation and not really <laughs> not really structured very well. So one of the first things you said to us is, you know, guys, what do you what do you think? What should we do? And and our recommendation, which is not normally our go to spot because a cleanup is often easier uh, than a reboot, but we said really for for your best interest and in where you wanted to go, we needed to set up a new instance and. That, that was a phone call to Adobe and say, hey, can we get these guys a new instance and then migrate them from their existing one over just taking what was needed, the tools, the assets and that type of stuff and just, and just rebooting. And um, how how'd that project go and, and how do you feel in terms of where you are now uh, in terms of wanting to get more things done more expediently? Yeah. I mean,
0: like I said, I, I knew something was wrong. And so that's why I decided to bring in an outside agency to kind of do that inspection. Cause there had been a bit of a revolving door in the, the role of the head of marketing and even in marketing ops and demand. And so, you know, the, there were kind of, it was almost a, a little bit of an archeology span dig where I could kind of see, all right, this person really focused on web three years ago and then nobody touched it since then. And then they built a whole lot of custom Data objects here, and then you know created some bad wiring with Salesforce, and then the next person came in and put their fingerprints over here, and you know I I really thought it was worth getting an outside expert involved so that it was no longer you know either my opinion or you know the opinion of the people who have been in the system as to you know what next steps we should take, Um, and that's something that I think I've I've used as a best practice throughout my career. I've used Serious decisions a lot in the past to kind of take those best practices as opposed to just you know relying on an instinct or you know this is Rob's way of doing things. I really wanted to rely on true best practices, so we scheduled a workshop and um, the team from DemandGen came in and we gave them you know access to our systems and and um, they they did a bunch of of background work. They talked to a lot of different people in the organization to find out kind of how we were using the system, where there were challenges and. Yeah, the net net of it is we kind of had a a very frank conversation where you know, I come out of the emotive world, right? Um where I think we sort of totaled the system. We looked at what it would cost to to put the effort into fixing kind of that tangled wiring and and kind of um navigating our way through all the cobwebs versus just spinning up a new instance and then kind of migrating everything over. And it became pretty obvious because of all that that um really the the sheer volume of of email um, objects custom data objects it it was just going to be too much work so we made that decision and you're right we we contacted adobe we found out we could spin up a new instance and we'd have a certain period of time where we could use them in parallel before doing that final cutover and um, we did finally do that that formal cutover about three weeks ago so we are now Fully functioning on our, our new instance.
1: And time time to move in and get in those those programs that that you want. Talk about your your sales strategy, especially given what's happening in the world these days. You guys have had to pivot significantly in terms of how you go to market, right? When you got there, you guys had uh, people out on out uh, calling on dealers, and and so maybe you could talk a little bit about Carfax's offerings and how you guys do go to market because your sales team and marketing team you know very integrated in their approach and now adjusting to the new normal.
0: Yeah, and it's it's a great transition because as I was just explaining that we stood up our new instance 3 weeks ago depending on when you're listening to this that's really right around the time when business as usual kind of came to an end um and I actually had already made plans to take a week off go down to the Virgin Islands and get married. So I, I left, everything was completely normal. I came back and we were in this work from home environment. And, you know, we, we did used to live in this, this world where our, go-to, our go-to-market strategy is very sales driven. We have a pretty big field sales force distributed all over the United States where they were going in and, and visiting dealerships up to seven times a day it was kind of their goal. Um, And it was very much a relationship business. They were physically in the dealership with an iPad showing the dealers, you know, how their their products are performing and the value that Carfax is delivering, helping them, you know, maybe find recall cars on their lot, for example, because that's sort of free money for a dealer because the OEM pays for that. And, you know, the world I came back to was suddenly our reps having to do Zoom calls and trying to demonstrate value. You know, over the phone or over the internet, and you know, in the, in that old world, when we would send leads to sales, it was kind of all right. A lead means there might be some interest from this dealer around some product. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make my way out there in two weeks. I'll make sure I have that conversation then. And you know, I come from the world where you have an SLA built around you know how a lead is is followed up on, um, and then just we didn't have that urgency or or really the um, the SLAs. Built around kind of how leads were were handled when we when we generated an m q l now all of a sudden sales cares deeply about those leads, and they want to follow up on them right away because guess what they're in their home office um you know just trying to get in touch with the dealer yeah they can 't go track them down in the store and and they 're harder to get a hold of because they're probably not in the dealership um they might be at home and they're on their personal cell phone they're not they 're not picking up their desk phone so yeah, our entire go-to-market strategy has kind of been flipped upside down where it was very much a field-led process and now suddenly, you know, marketing is the best friend of sales and fortunately, we have this brand new shiny instance of Marketo to help support that.
1: And are you guys uh, rolling out the Marketo sales insights tools or other sales enablement capabilities in addition to, you know, some of the alerts and things that you guys have set up
0: yeah so we've had MSI, and as part of the transition we we kind of um, turned it off for a number of the reps, and our admin is now in the process of of lighting that back up again because I think I think marketo sales insights in particular is going to be super valuable in this new world where they really do care about leads and they want to understand you know what the the history is behind that lead, and see the activity because it really helps drive that conversation. If they do get in touch with that dealer, yeah. um, you know they're not sitting there in the sh- in the showroom, um, kind of talking about, hey, you know, what are you working on now? Is it acquisition, or are you trying to get you know more advertising on used car listings, or drive more service to the shops? And they can kind of have those open conversations. Now they might have thirty seconds to get their attention over the phone. So knowing exactly what that dealer is interested in becomes hyper-valuable. So again, another example of where our kind of go-to-market is, has been turned on its head.
1: Yeah, it's a good it's a good technique. It's one that I've used when uh, I've run marketing in the past and used marketing automation. I know we help uh, our clients that have a similar environment as you. That environment is, how do you know when your buyer is sitting at their desk? And it's almost like, uh, you know, using marketing automation to create like a motion detector. Like, okay, they're on the site, they're opening an email. So notify the SDR, notify sales when that engagement is happening. Do it very expediently. So, that the person can can dial them and call them while they're uh ideally still sitting there at their desk. And dealers are notorious, right, for being uh walking walking the the dealership floor, going to service, going to sales, sales management out on on that. Great to hear that you guys are pivoting and, and adjusting uh you know to that. By the way, congratulations again on your wedding. Uh
0: <laughs> Thank you.
1: Yeah, uh you, you're the only person I know that has uh gotten married during this this time period. We probably could do a whole podcast episode on just how you'd approach that <laughs> given your your experience, but hopefully you guys have uh still kept schedule for your for your honeymoon and they are going to plan that when uh we all come out of this.
0: Well, yeah, we we got lucky if we'd scheduled that trip one week later, it would not have happened. They they shut down the Virgin Islands a few days after we got, uh, got back, so Got yeah, lucky both with that end and the timing on our Marketo
1: project. Yeah, well, now that now the fun begins, and you you know you're a, a data driven marketer. You are very passionate about operationalizing data to drive. Um, what's what's the vision look like uh, if you can share for for the next six to twelve months in terms of now that you've got this bright and shiny new instance, and you're you're taking the team way beyond Batch and Blast, what are some of the high-priority initiatives that you want to get done, and maybe some context as, as to why? I think it would be great for someone who's maybe not embarked on the journey that, that you're about.
0: Yeah, so we do have kind of a phased approach. Um, next up is, I mean, we never even had a true nurture email template set up in Marketo in our old instance. Um, that's going to pay big dividends for us. Just just moving to that model where we can have an always on, you know, nurture or drip campaign running, as opposed to you know the demand gen team every week coming up with a new message or a new offer. Um, as you mentioned, I mean, at its at its core, Carfax is a data company. Yeah. Um, we roll up to a, a, our parent company's IHS Market, which is a a big public data company. So yes, we care. Deeply about data, and in fact, um, some of our best performing um, email campaigns, in particular, are where we can tell dealers something they don't know about their own inventory or Mm -hmm. or about their own business. So, we integrate really closely with our BI team, and we want to get the the links to BI even um, more tightly integrated, so that we can pull in, you know, personalized data about that dealership or about that dealer's business and Automate that right in those nurture campaigns. Um, those perform extremely well, and we have a really strong brand, which helps too. We have some of the best open rates and click through rates of of anybody I've ever worked at, which is a great luxury to have. Um, and then we're going to put our through like our formal nurture stages in place, um, and then put in kind of SLAs with sales so that we can really track, you know, how a lead is flowing through those different stages and the conversion rates at each of those stages. And then really the holy grail for us is ultimately getting the closed loop reporting. We haven't been able to get to that because there's a couple barriers internally with how we use the opportunity object and how our lead, route, lead routing rules work and kind of the objects we use to create leads within Salesforce. So we have some kind of internal cleanup we have to do, but that's the holy grail for us is when I can go to my boss and tell him, you know exactly what impact marketing is having on sales and ultimately revenue. So that's hopefully part all part of our our 12 month vision. Actually, I'm kind of enjoying thinking that far out when we're beyond this kind of environment we're right. in can actually you know really move the needle forward
1: it'll it'll happen quick and what we're finding right now with our clients we're, there's almost two ends of the spectrum in terms of the type of work that we're doing these days at one end we are sending a massive number of emails for our clients with all of their COVID-19 announcements and information we have a lot of clients uh, in financial services and in payroll services and companies that need to inform their clients about not just how that company is supporting them during this time, but information they need for their customers. And so we're sending a lot of Batch and Blast emails these days and happy to help our our clients do that through our managed services group. On the strategy side, like with you guys, We're doing all this lead management and demand management strategy work and then operationalizing those things. Now is a really great time to take a look at, you know, what you want to have in place and get that work done that sometimes can get hard to get to when you're just inundated with events or other marketing programs. So we see our clients working on a lot of strategic initiatives with us, analytics initiatives with us, getting their data cleaned up uh, right now. So we're, we're, we're busy as always and, um, it's nice to see we've we've had a few uh, clients of ours that are struggling in this economic time. Those in hospitality and those in uh, travel businesses, uh, and it's it's really um, it's really tough to see hiring freezes come into place and, and resource constraints and uh, you know demands on marketing just continue to pile up uh, and don't go away. So we are we are just helping our clients and making sure that they know that we're there for them and appreciate all the work that that you're doing with the team in terms of like your lead management knowledge right this whole operationalizing the demand funnel of course i've got my book manufacturing demand that that we give out to folks uh who want that where where's your knowledge really come from in terms of integrating scoring and nurturing in the demand funnel and and using that approach as opposed to just batch and blast you know throw leads over the fence to to sales but have a more integrated approach as you do
0: yeah, I mean, I, I kind of think back to my Eloqua days and, you know, we used to produce the, the grande guide to, you know, you fill in the blank, you know, lead scoring or lead nurturing, whatever it might be. And for, for me in my career, that, that, that sort of defined the playbook to a large degree. So we didn't talk a lot about lead scoring, but, um, I did. I launched lead scoring when I was at Eloqua, and then when I went on to Lattice Engines, I launched our predictive lead scoring platform. So I, I do have a lot of experience and a lot of history behind lead scoring, and do believe in the in the power of that. Especially, you know, we do generate a fairly large number of leads again, because especially through our email programs, because they do perform fairly well but the challenge we have is you know explaining to the sales team a you know where did they come from and why did we mql those particular leads um but but then how do they prioritize that especially in this new world where you know we might throw you know 50 leads on the plate of of a rep and they don't know where to start so if we can get more sophisticated about lead scoring and again i need more of those, those buying signals to incorporate into our our models to to make them more effective but um, I think that's really going to pay dividends and, and really tighten the relationship between sales and marketing um, and help those reps understand you know the value that we're bringing them. We're not just giving them leads but we're even telling them you know which order to follow up on those leads.
1: What sense are you getting now that you've been there for several months or, you' know, coming up on a year um, in terms of the relationship between sales and marketing today and how they? Perceive you and and the the leadership that you're bringing to the organization because you 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 have a very one in one uh, equals three when it's when it's done right sales and, and marketing. I'm curious if there was um, a belief system or just uh, view of marketing previous that that's evolving and changing for the positive.
0: Yeah, I think um, we, we do have a very good relationship with the sales organization. Um, we, we call it the DBU at, at Carfax, which is the, the dealer business unit. Um, I have an hour and a half long uh, meeting with all of the, the leaders in that sales team once a week on Wednesday. I had it just an hour or so ago. And really, we use that to set all of our priorities so that both teams are are you know pointing in the same direction. And that's... You know that meetings become especially critical now because everything's so fluid that priorities are constantly changing, and we need to be super agile on the marketing team to help support the sales organization. Um, but I think also, you know, coming in and and explaining to the the sales leadership how we're going to be able to scale much more effectively by making these investments in our in our sales operations systems, um, mainly Marketo and Salesforce. Um, because they understand how, that, how that's going to make us, you know, really hockey stick our growth once we kind of come out of the, the COVID-19 um, economic climate that we're in. So they're super supportive, but we have to keep, you know, the lights on too, right? So we're continuing to to work with them on on all fronts, not just getting them leads, but helping them with messaging, helping them with email templates and sales assets and sales tools as well. But it's, it is a really strong relationship and I, I don't think I would have joined the company if I thought that there was a strained relationship with sales because I've, I've seen it work both ways. And I, I totally agree with you when when both sales and marketing are in full alignment, it's a, it's a one plus one equals three equation. I completely
1: agree. And you guys are now needing to, um, or have the opportunity with with the product lines expanding. You you have what eighty percent market share, something like that. With um, if anyone's buying or selling a car, they're going to look at a Carfax report. And then you guys have come out with offerings for uh, new uh, new product around used car listings, and then also the servicing. Um, so you you look at certainly your customers' journey, a dealer, and what their Needs and ways that they can grow their business, and you keep coming out with product offerings to to help them with that. So, are you finding that your marketing relationship, the department's relationship with sales, is now also who do, who do you team up with for the install base, if you will?
0: Yeah, so we do. We have we have three different products, all with kind of different levels of maturity. Um, most people know us for the Carfax report, as you said. You know, you see the the ads with the the. The Car Fox, or yep. you go into a dealer and the Car Fox holding the the report saying, show me the Carfax. Um and people I think a lot of times consumers assume that's all we do. But we've been in the used car listings business now for several years, uh and and that's performing extremely well. It's a very competitive market, but um that product is is super important in today's environment because in a lot of cases the sales side of a dealership um, is is no longer open because they've been, you know, people have asked to shelter in place. But you can still advertise your cars on the internet. People are still home. You know, I've I've been looking at the Google um, trends and you know the, the car shopping keywords are still getting used, right? Traffic is still pretty good. So people are still doing the research. And looking at listings online, and I still I think that when we come out of this, there, there are people who are going to be going to the dealerships and buying cars. I think there's some kind of demand there. So that product is, is super important. And our newest product, um, we do sell to the service side of a dealership. And that really does open up a, a whole new buyer persona for us and a whole new audience that is, um, you know, in some cases the sales organization is less familiar with the service side of the shops they haven't sold to them in the past. Um, so the air cover that we're giving them around, um, marketing our, our Carfax for life product, which is what we sell to the service side has been getting very well received by the sales organization. It's kind of a unique product that we don't have any direct competitors to it. So our ability to basically provide, uh, explanations around the value directly to the dealer, communicate with them on, you know, what kind of, uh, value they're going to get back out in terms of getting higher ratings and reviews or trade-in leads or return customers and higher um, repair orders and things like that has really helped the sale organization out a lot. And again, you know, kind of good timing in that in a lot of dealerships, the service side can remain open because that's kind of deemed a a critical um, business to offer consumers if they need to get their car repaired. They, you know, repair shops need to to remain open in this, in this environment. So that that's actually a really a product that's really performing well for us right now. And, uh, you know, that's an area where I don't think sales could have scaled without the great partnership they've had with, with our marketing. No, organization. For sure.
1: Well, it's it's refreshing to see you guys both market net new, br- you know, building the business, bringing on net new customers in your case, these dealers, but then marketing to the install base because it concerns me how often I see marketing just focusing on the net new and not focused on programs and initiatives with customer success to drive revenue in the install base. And it's a huge miss. I mean, anybody who's not doing that is missing the opportunity for marketing to drive considerable revenue growth in the install base. And it's mostly a resource issue, I find. It's it's not so much about strategy or like, no doubt R- really, Dave R- Can we really generate revenue from the install <laughs> base? like of course you can, but it's just scarce resources that people don't um have enough resources to focus on both both parts. Congratulations again I mean back in in twenty eighteen, you won the serious decisions program of the Year award, and uh anybody who knows serious decisions I mean just actually getting in a to be a finalist is extremely difficult uh but to actually win. Uh, a program of the year award from them is a real testament to your passion and your leadership for what marketing can really do in terms of driving growth and driving uh, revenue. When you um, when you evaluated coming to to Carfax, you talked about looking at the relationship that sales and marketing had. Uh, what other things would you say that have become Part of your your checklist, like I'm looking for this, this, and this, in terms of figuring out if this is the right environment for you to be successful.
0: Yeah, um, that's that's actually an awesome question because it was something that we talked about in our joint meeting earlier today, our, our kind of joint sales and marketing meeting. One is having a shared vision around goals. Carfax is is again a very data driven company, and the goals for the company are um, made very explicit across the entire organization. And we have what we call, um, game plans so that every department has their own game plan that rolls up into the company's metrics. So what that allows me to do is to align my game plan very closely with the sales game plan. So what that does is it always sets us up so that our goals are shared. Um, if I'm doing my job, they're succeeding. And if they're doing their job, I'm succeeding. That's super important. Um, the second piece of it is just transparency. We, again, meet on a very regular basis. I, and so, co- going back to your point about you know, kind of retention um, as, as a key element, the way both the sales organization and my marketing organizations are, are set up is that there's sort of key uh, three pillars or three legs to the stool, if you will um, retention, marketing. Um, or retention sales on the sales side, uh, then demand gen um, and then operations and those those are sort of mirrored between uh, the marketing organization and the sales organization, and we have very explicit goals, so we also have regular meetings between you know both parties around retention, both parties around new sales or demand gen, and both parties around operations. So we're aligned organizationally, and we're completely transparent. Um, I have a, a, a dashboard set up. We use Asana kind of to do our planning and marketing, and I share that dashboard with the sales team. In fact, they actually requested licenses to that today so that they can go in and see our dashboard because things are so fluid right now. They want to be able to see it every single day, which, awesome. is, which is great. I've, yeah. I've never been in a situation where sales wants to see what we're doing on a daily basis. So. Um, I think those things combined really set us up for success because um, we have all all of our goals are shared and we're completely transparent on where we are in, in terms of the programs we have in place to meet those goals and then the progress against achieving those goals.
1: It's great advice. It is. It's worth repeating that. Meet with sales and marketing on a regular basis. It's actually, and I've shared this before. That's where the name Demand Gen came from. Is you know, is the guy who coined the phrase in two thousand three. I rebranded our sales and marketing meeting to be called the Demand Gen meeting, uh, and uh, we had such phenomenal success that I registered the domain and said, "I'll write a blog someday," because you know that that that's what people were doing back in two thousand three was writing blogs. And i said i'll I'll explain our recipes and show the tools and the strategy and all that type of stuff, and then you know fast forward and started the agency in two thousand seven and said what a great name for it probably the only the only challenging thing about the name is just even in the podcast, you know when you refer to the demand Gen team, is it our team is it your team is it you know it's, well, hey, it's one team, <laughs> but um it's a good good problem to have I w- one last question for you, Rob um you and I share a little bit of um Similar backgrounds, and what I mean by that is, you graduated with a degree in computer science. I graduated with a degree in marketing and a minor in computer yeah. science. And you know, when I see that, folks like you that are, you know, running marketing, uh, you know, director marketing programs, and your backgrounds in computer science. I I don't know about you, but like I feel like I'm in the perfect storm of my career, like in a good way. Like I love technology, I love marketing, I love people, and so uh, I get to put all of my passions to work every day. And I'm curious if if that was the path for you. You know, when you study computer science, were you thinking you'd end up doing something different? And and what do you think about in terms of how it's led you? Uh, that that foundational background and technology expertise to prepare you for the work that you've been doing throughout your career.
0: Yeah, it's funny. The, the woman that heads up um, marketing operations for my team, uh, Angela, also comes from a, a computer science degree, so we kind of share war stories all the time. Um, and both of us, I mean, my intent in graduating from college um, back in the mid-slash-early 90s, I'm dating myself, um, you know, computer... Software development was a fairly new thing. Object-oriented programming was sort of just coming out, um, so I saw it just as a huge opportunity. All my friends were were getting business degrees, and I wanted to stand out right from the crowd. And, and uh, there weren't that many people coming out of a liberal liberal arts school with a computer science degree those days. But I sort of expected I would go into you know software and be a developer or engineer. And um, about five years into that. Career. I was at computer associates at that time. I realized that that was just not for me. I didn't want to be sitting in front of a computer all day slinging code. Um, so I actually transitioned my career into uh, kind of an industry analyst role for mm-hmm. a number of years. And I was um, advising product marketers and really it kind of struck me. Oh, it's kind of interesting. It's a blend of art and science. And so when I kind of get out of that career, I've, Gra- gravitated toward product marketing. Um, I liked the communication aspect of it—that I got to talk to people. But it required critical thinking and it required creative thinking. So it kind of scratched a lot of itches for me. And then I just sort of fell into, you know, a job at, at uh, Eloqua. I didn't know a lot about marketing automation or Martech at that point, but um, just kind of fell in love with the fact that that this was a real blend of of art and science. And I've kind of stuck with it since then. So I'd never really expected, if you'd asked me 20 years ago, if I was going to end up being a marketer, I would have said, you're crazy. Cause I thought that was the arts and crafts department. And I don't think of myself as, <laughs> you know, an artist or a super creative person, but um, as, as you well know, it's, it's very much a science these days. So yeah. I think um, it's, it's kind of a great place for me to have landed.
1: I love it. It's the, it's the best of time to be in marketing. It is challenging. I mean, the tools and technologies that we have such incredible power and, and the learning curve that comes from that. Um, I want to encourage everybody on the, on the podcast to connect with Rob, Rob Boyce, R-O-B-B-O-I-S. Um, Joe Chernoff, who maybe many of you know, he's the chief marketing officer at Pendo, is a, is a mutual acquaintance uh, of Rob and I. And, and Joe had this to say about Rob, and I think it's a great way to wrap up this podcast and give you an idea who Rob is. Joe said, I've worked with lots of exceptional marketers. I've worked with lots of bridge builders. I've worked with lots of doers, and I've worked with lots of thinkers. I've worked with lots of people who are willing to help anyone at any time, but I've only worked with one person who was all of those things all of the time, and that person is Rob Boyce. So, big fan out there of Joe, and and Joe is incredibly well-respected across the the ecosystem, as, as you know, and, and Rob, my team loves working with you. We have, we have many different types of clients that work many different ways, and uh, you're constantly in our, in our glip channel, uh, you and the team, which is our, which our version of Slack, if you will, um, just talking about the work that's going on there. And I want to thank you for your flexibility. We had some workshops scheduled to come on site for some of the lead management strategy and demand funnel work doing, and, and you guys are pivoting with us to do those workshops online. So appreciate the collaboration there. We'll get through this time period together, all of us thanks everybody for tuning in to demand gen radio i hope you guys are uh, safe sheltering in place and we'll catch you on the next episode take care you've been listening to demand
0: gen radio bringing you the top industry experts thought leaders authors marketing technology firms and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high performance marketing